Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about uh, lead magnets, how you can find leads. Because today, without leads, it's hard to develop and innovate your business. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Sky Cassidy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing this morning, Anatoly? I'm doing great. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about leads. So I'm uh, I'm the CEO of Mountaintop Data. We're a data company providing list for sales and marketing, um, mm-hmm. or B2B sales and marketing. I also host a podcast on, on um, B2B marketing and everything related. And um, so uh, any opportunity to come on someone else's show, talk about this stuff. I mean, when you host your own show, it's just kind of proof that you love to talk. So I'm not going to turn down an opportunity to talk. But um, there's a lot of topics that I listen to and have guests on and talk on all the time. But Lead Magnets is one. We have a new product, and that's one that's really come to the forefront for me and throughout my career coming back to, to recognizing it really doesn't matter what your product is unless it's something new or you have a patent or the only this and that. And then that's still a lead. Like you have to have a reason someone should interact with you Mm -hmm. in networking. Why would somebody, you know, come and talk to you? Are you approachable? Is there a reason? What is the reason in in dating and everything in life? It's like, Hey, if you're not going to attract anything without a magnet. So it's just this really critical part of companies where a lot of companies don't have it and they want to grow and maybe they rely on referrals, which means you have a great product, but you don't actually have any marketing. You don't have any lead magnet because you can't attract strangers with a, with a referral. You have to rely and wait on the referral. But if you want to grow, you have to have something to differentiate yourself an excuse for people to interact. And, you know, most people want to want to grow their business. Um, but don't really realize how important this this piece is and how they can make it happen if it isn't natural in their company. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about uh, B2B marketing. Uh, I want to start from this one because you mentioned that it's your main focus. Uh, can you tell what is the main difference between uh, getting links, uh, leads, uh, getting leads uh, for B2B and B2C? What is the main difference between them? Um. Wow. So I don't specialize in B2C at all. So that's a maybe a tough one for me. But I would say a lot of B2C is nice to haves. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is um, having gimmicks, having, I mean, you still need to have a lead magnet. If you're selling candy bars. If they figured out, hey, you got to put it at the front of the aisle. What is the enticement? The enticement is an addiction to sugar, but like what's going to get people to interact with, with your product? It, it becomes about uh, placement. Where is it on the shelf and stuff like that? Um, so B2B takes a lot from consumer marketing. It's such a greater scale. Consumer marketing really is kind of everything is spam almost. It's it's put it out to a massive audience and then the interested people will will interact. It's, you know, every single person hears the radio commercial, sees the uh, TV ad, that kind of thing. B2B gets much more, uh, much more targeted. It is just a smaller um, audience, although it's a massive market, there are more B2B companies than B2C and it's counterintuitive. They're more consumers, 
Uh, but those most of those people work in jobs and the B2B companies are the huge part of the iceberg underneath the just the tip is consumer. But every one of those products goes through a chain of manufacturers and suppliers and marketers and all these other industries that are that are all the, the B2B space. Um, so a lot of uh, a lot of overlap, but certain techniques um, you know, don't work in B2B that work in consumer and, and vice versa. Um, but we eventually, usually marketing tactics trickle down from the consumer. And then the, once they're proven there, B2B will, uh, will pick them up if they apply. Mm -hmm. That's kind nice. of a lazy way of answering your question. I think I dodged it pretty successfully, though. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think you replied to this question. Uh, good reply. And uh, can you tell, for example, uh, if I'm going to create marketing message for B2B, in the end, I need to create the marketing message to decision makers who can transfer this data uh, to uh, the whole team, to the entire team. Because uh, in the end, we communicate with uh, people, human beings, and they need to tell that our offer is valuable. It, this offer can help, you know, to grow the company. Uh, uh, I'm interested about setting the right message because you mentioned that you have experience with data. You can help to get this data. Uh, can you tell how to con consider data uh, that we uh, collect and uh, create the, the right message for uh, decision makers who can uh, transfer data to the entire team? Yeah. So when it comes to who you're targeting, one thing that always jumps to mind for me is people frequently get it wrong because they're thinking, you know, in, in consumer marketing, you say, this person's going to buy, I need to target them. And then it, it does branch out some into like, hey, the, the parent's going to buy the cereal, but let me target the kid because they'll get the parent to buy. You have to take that mindset to um, B2B marketing because in most cases, the person that is doing the buying that ends up being in your system as your point of contact when they're a client is not the person that starts the transaction. You have to find the child that is going to get the parent to buy the cereal in B2B very frequently. So people will look at their CRM, a great practice of looking at CRM and saying, who are our best customers? Who should we be targeting? Well, who do we do business with now? What they frequently miss when they do that is uh, that's where this is where AI would get it wrong. They miss in the chain. Oh, that isn't who we started with. That wasn't our initial point of contact, uh, especially when you're dealing with larger companies. Um, you know, you may be in touch with a very high level person once you're in the business, but there you're never going to get in touch with them to start with. So people need to realize that they need to start much lower at the child level. And then that's going to work their, their way up to these uh, to the proper contact throughout the kind of buying decision making uh, cycle. So yeah, frequently people are saying, oh, we want the business owners in these large companies. You say, no, no, no. Maybe eventually you'll be doing business with a VP or the director or something like that, but you're starting with a manager or a sub manager and that's your foot in the door. That's the person who's actually going to give a damn about your lead magnet um, because you're giving them an Amazon gift card. Sorry, the CEO doesn't care about a $10 Amazon gift card and he's not, your email is not even going to make it into his inbox. Um, so that's an yeah. important aspect of the of the targeting and when we're getting into lead magnets of like mm -hmm. the magnet has to apply to the person you're targeting. 
Yeah, you remind me about the strategy that uh, tech companies use uh, when uh, they advertise some new product for kids uh, and kids want to take it, uh, but they have limited proposition and when they go to the shop, they have all these products, parents need to buy something else because uh, kids will be not satisfied, uh, but the shop can tell, you know, we will get this product uh, for a few weeks. A month so parents need to pay twice you know to buy products uh, the first time uh, because they need to satisfy kids and the second time when they will get this product so yeah interesting strategy <laughs> uh, sky I, I have the question about data can you tell how to collect data i see when companies use the average data uh, from online studies tools uh, uh, any other resources, but it, it doesn't mean that this data uh, is related to specific products. Uh, each business has uh, unique selling proposition. Can you tell how to find the right data and uh, yeah, and convert to content format? Sure. Uh, so I've been in just about every position in my company since uh, since we founded it. I was a minor founding partner and then worked through. Um, so I was involved in, in hiring, in the, the sales, in the marketing, doing sales, running sales, training sales, uh, taking over marketing and now running the company. And uh, when it comes to getting the data, one of the questions that I, I remember getting when I was doing a lot of sales from people is, why wouldn't I just like, why, why don't I want to buy a list from you? Why not just go get it myself? Like I can go find these contacts online. And that's true for some people. And we advise some people to do that. We say, look, if you need Chinese restaurants in your uh, three block radius, you don't need to go to a data company. That's pointless. Uh, they're going to have to charge you $100 a record for that information. Um, you just need to go to the yellow pages uh, or, or get on your bike and start, you know, uh, biking around. Um, but it's kind of like saying, oh, you know, why would I buy rice at the store? I'll just grow my own rice. Well, there's people who are experts at this. Yes, you can bake your own bread and you can do all these things. But when you're running a business, typically you want to specialize. And if you need to target a larger audience, the amount of time and energy it takes to go out and build out data for you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of target contacts for marketing campaigns, it'd be silly not to use a data company. And so that gets next level of, okay, we should use a data company for this, but how? There's a lot of data companies out there. We're kind of like the rice thing. We're a semi-commodity. Sure, some rice is better than others. Some's garbage. Some's great. There's different use cases for it. You know, you got your sushi rice and you got your long grain rice and you got the, we'll get into a podcast about rice here now. But um, there's a lot of data companies and I always just tell people, try some, you know, make ours one of them. But I actually recommend to people they have multiple providers these companies should be experts in the space and their people should be able to help you find the right contacts for your need. They should be able to talk to you and say, okay, yes, you know, point out to you things like maybe you don't want the CEOs of fortune 500 companies. You're probably not. That's going to be a waste of your time. Um, yeah. You know, be able to help you a little bit with your targeting. You need to know your audience. Some, they're not just going to learn your company and do it for you. Hire a marketing agency if you need that. Um, but they, they should be able to help. There's a lot of online tools for people who can self-service it themselves. Like why Google and then try to just find someone's email and look them up on LinkedIn and, and, and hit them there when you can go to one of these tools. We have one called top data search. 
you can put in search criteria and see data and and buy it in you know sometimes small amounts sometimes it's 20 bucks a month to access the data whatever it is um, so there's a lot of really convenient ways to access data now and then it comes down to the quality um, that becomes really important because you've got limited time put a bunch of junk data into your email delivery service and you're going to get it locked down um, and for that we always recommend just have several providers and test them it's really easy you should be able to give you a sample that's also really easy like you reach out to a couple data providers we say 10 because when you reach out to 10 you'll probably get three that respond to you and seven that don't even respond and you say okay good or they'll respond wanting more information from you what's your budget what's your okay forget about those guys they're going to waste your time they're busy qualifying you instead of giving you the information you want hey can i get a sample of your data probably the first thing you should ask just give them any information give me a sample of it contacts if they come back and say ask you for geography or something else okay but if they're like what's your budget what's this what's no they're just going to waste your time um you know go with the ones that respond and then you find a couple and you you know try their data you make some calls send a couple of emails and you'll quickly see which information is good for you and which isn't and who's actually going to communicate with you and then hopefully you know, you find several providers that have good information because data is not monogamous. It, again, it's like rice. It isn't like you have to, you know, I got my long grain rice and that's all I can buy now. I'm locked in. Uh, if I try to go, if I try to get some sushi rice, oh my God, the long grain's never going to talk to me again. No, you're allowed to have multiple providers for this stuff. And it's a really good idea to have multiple providers and it should be convenient and easy. Um, so that's kind of the approach I, I typically recommend for people when finding data and dealing with data you need 10 contacts in your neighborhood go find them yourself online um, otherwise you, you need volumes of data for marketing campaigns find multiple vendors they should be easy to find and they should easily communicate with you and give you what you need <laughs> oh that's uh, great yeah <laughs> love it love it interesting about that uh uh, by the way, I think it's a good result when you get a reply. Uh, if you send 10 messages and get three replies, that's good. No, that's good ratio. I usually send like 100 uh, messages. Oh, no, no. And... The messages I'm talking about are not marketing messages. You're reaching out ah, to okay. data companies saying, I want to buy your product. Ah. So three out of 10 is actually pretty bad. Ah, but awesome. <laughs> the data industry, there's a lot of weird companies. And uh, for some yeah. reason, they don't have their stuff together very well. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, if you're sending getting three out of 10 response in marketing campaigns, then <laughs> you shouldn't be listening to a podcast. You should be sending 10 more emails. Like <laughs> you, yeah. you're killing it. That will not last. So take advantage. Well, it does. In fact, that was uh, what we were seeing when we started our company. Um, mm -hmm. when we started our company, nobody had email addresses for B2B marketing. And we had developed a technique in the early two thousands where we realized that we could append emails to contacts that we'd found and we were doing campaigns at an agency and said oh this is really valuable let's start doing this people are going to want this um and so we created a small list of it contacts and started selling it and we were getting several responses per um you know if we did 10 direct uh outreaches we'd probably get three responses but we would just send out random like a thousand emails and we'd get a purchase uh, not just a response, but a purchase for every thousand sent out, which were great numbers. But our lead magnet was we have something no one else does that you really want. 
So when you have that, it's, it's really easy, but short of that, short of a new thing, you have to create a lead magnet. And the great thing is you see a lot of companies that create them like these um, very matured industries and they will create a lead magnet. Somehow they'll say, we're selling ketchup. What are we like? Just saying our ketchup's better. Like, how are we going to, you know, nowadays they'd be like, we love you and we love puppies. And that's how they try to differentiate, but that's just branding. How are you going to, when you need people to, directly respond to buy your product like they do in b2b how are you going to get people what's the lead magnet if you don't have a unique product you make something unique you know ketchup makes a new type of top that isn't as messy and you just find what's the biggest problem anybody has with their stuff and and and, and until that matures and everybody has that uh, and then you're really a commodity but you have to make something different and we look at companies regularly we have a new product where we help people run their cold email campaigns for them. Um, but we need content to promote. And then we help with their um, sales cadence emails and run those for them. And that's where you need a lead magnet. And we recommend to people sometimes that they create a new product or a new service or a new something. And this is this weird area in marketing where you find sometimes maybe it's a software as a service, something like that. Marketing will request a certain feature on a product that isn't really necessary for the product and the product people don't understand. Well, why do we need, we don't need that. That doesn't make any yeah. sense. It doesn't. And the marketing just says, shut up, trust us. We need something we can market. Everything else is just table stakes. Everybody else have, it. we need something different. It doesn't matter if it's a breakthrough thing. It's just something different to make people look at us versus the competitor. And that's your lead magnet. What's the different, what's the differentiator, or that's one type of, of, of lead magnet. Sometimes a lead magnet is just like, Hey, take a call with me and we'll give you a $10 Amazon card, you know, but mm -hmm. you can come up with tons of different lead magnets, but why are they going to talk to you? Um, and a, you know, a strong differentiator is, is frequently it, especially if it's something that you can show or that they have to come and interact with. Um, many companies will create a product whose sole purpose is to attract people. It's, you know, it's a lost leader product kind of, they're like, Oh, we don't actually plan on selling this. We don't care if we sell this, but this is different and new and we can almost give it away to get people in the door. Um, you know, it's a Costco hot dog and a soda why are you keeping that so cheap? What does that have to do with anything? Like, Oh, that's their lead magnet. Hey, remember to come even for people already signed up for Costco and they're like, come in. Cause you have a hankering for this hot dog and a soda and it costs almost nothing. Um, so that's yeah. just all different forms of lead magnets, which are really critical. People want to set up campaigns and just say, Hey, we provide X, Y, Z generic service. You have no idea who we are. And again, this is a super generic service, but let's get on a sales phone call with us. And you're receiving that message. You're like, really? Why? Like, why don't you come to my Halloween party and pitch me on life insurance for God's sakes? Like, why? <laughs> you got to have a lead. Yeah. Night. yeah. My, my spam inbox loves all these messages. I leave them to this place. Uh, and because I get every single day, a lot of propositions, guest posting, many other stuff, something that I don't understand at all. Uh, something is a hundred percent irrelevant with all my business goals. Uh, people, uh, many people, uh, sales people, uh, don't spend time, you know, to learn recipients to understand what they need. Uh, so yeah, that's why we still get all these messages, but I think it works. 
I think it works if they sell this much sausages, but they can't get big fish. No, they can get like small fish, uh, beginners, uh, but uh, people who uh, have who, who can charge uh, good money. So I think, yeah. Possible. Well, there is a type of marketing. There's a type of product where you hit full commodity mm -hmm. level, or maybe you just have no good ideas right now for a lead magnet. Um, and there's a type of marketing that just says, look, there's no differentiator for our product. So we're going to do something nice or, or whatever. Um, and, or we're going to just be in front of our audience all the time. It's a soap opera. We're going to say we're selling soap. There's nothing cool or different or new, or there's no reason anybody's going to buy us except for they saw us and we're there in front of them every day. So you find out where they are and you're there. And in email marketing, that strategy is just, hey, do you need this service? Because you know they're going to use it. You know they're going to use soap. You've got a soap product, right? There's no differentiator, but you got nothing creative, no great ideas or anything like that on it. lead magnets. Um, you haven't invented the Tide Pod yet to blow people's minds and what or whatnot. Um, so you say, we're just going to be in front of them all the time because we know they buy this and we want to be considered when they do. And that's the whole strategy. That's just kind of a brute force erosion strategy. Now it works and it's a good strategy to have in place if you can't come up with a good lead magnet. But if you have a good lead magnet, then, you know, maybe you have a slow erosion campaign running. So you just have this general malaise of brand going on all the time. Um, but but if you have a lead magnet, that's what you really want to be pushing of obviously is something that actually attracts people to you. Um, so nothing wrong necessarily with that approach. Just be in front of them all the time. It's an approach we use. Our product is seen as a, uh, you know, life insurance-esque commodity product. Um, people mm -hmm. always buy it, need it eventually. We just need them to know we exist. So be there. But anytime you can create a lead magnet of any type, real or fake, um, that's a good thing for your marketing. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, we have the question, what is the best way to market a brand new product or agency? Mm. Uh, find a lead magnet. <laughs> uh, differentiator. <laughs> I mean, differentiator, lead magnet, whatever you want to call it. But you need to get attention out there. So you have to have one lead magnet is typically going to be niche. If it's a brand new product, you know, and you created it in a commodity space, then rethink your product. Like if, when you create a brand new product, the whole reason hopefully you have it is that there's something different. There's a problem it solves that other products don't. And so then it's just focus on that. Find the right audience that might have that problem. Focus on that. Like I see you there and you have a headset on and I have a headset on. And I remember when I first took over the sales team at our company, we were growing, hiring a lot of salespeople. And one of the problems we had was the headsets all sucked. You know, we're doing a podcast, so we have professional mics and it's just the headset. But when you need a, a headset that has the microphone and it's a room of people and they need to be able to hear the person they're talking to and they need that person to hear them, suddenly that headset becomes important. And our reps were having problems with their headsets. And it was like of all the problems to have in your sales, once you, you've already got the leads in and you, the people can't hear you and you can't hear them like this is this is a ridiculous issue to be slowing a company down and so suddenly as a sales manager part of my focus became fixing the headset problem and i was looking for headsets that would work and i needed a couple of things one affordable had to fit in our budget 
and then it just had to work, right? And so I'm going around buying all these different headsets from online. If I received an email from someone about headsets, I'm looking at it. Not like, oh, I don't know these people. This is junk mail because I need that product. And if I receive one about headsets that says the best headsets I could find in an affordable range. So we're not paying a couple hundred dollars per headset. Um, but the best headsets I could find had a problem where they kept breaking up top here where they where they adjust. The plastic would eventually break. The reps would pull them off their head like this and it would stretch that plastic and it would break in the in the most greatest stress point there. And so I was... Uh, taping uh paper clips to them like a boy scout splint in the woods or something to keep them functional and just thinking i gotta find a headset that doesn't break here like so you're looking for these little details and i bring all this up to say look if somebody had a headset that were like hey this is a problem that headsets have they break here so we designed ours instead of having this this area is metal and not plastic in ours like that's a big problem with headsets. It doesn't matter if the mic and the speakers and everything else work, if the thing breaks here and so you just can't put it on your head anymore. Um, so as somebody that was running a growing team, it was like, hey, if somebody solves that problem and they have a new product they put out and they focus on just that one thing in an email, and maybe you have 10 differentiators, well, yeah. hit one in each message you put out, hit the one, hit the one, hit the one, hit the one, so that the person experiencing that pain point is going to come to your product. Now you have a new product. Great. What's the problem it solves? Focus on one of those problems in each message. And I'd say that's a, a great way to get some uh, traction on a new product. Yeah, I agree. Simplicity is key. You know, uh, recipients, uh, customers have no time to figure out all features that you have. Uh, that's why I, I love, uh, you know, I, I love uh, learning from big brands. Uh, for example, Apple, uh, Tim Cook, uh, when he presented new Apple Watch, uh, after that, I bought three pairs uh, because I can't buy one. Uh, <laughs> I need two for my son, for my wife. Well, you've got three arms. You need three watches. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting that right now my Apple Watch, uh, the Atlantic Ocean, owns my Apple Watch right now, so <laughs> I have all that. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting that uh, after watching this presentation, uh, I like how Apple, Tim Cook, shared these stories. Uh, not features, not anything else. Probably other uh, watches have the same features. Uh, but he shared three stories how Apple Watch can simplify my life, decide my problems uh, by sharing examples. After that, uh, I got the feeling to own Apple Watch. I got it. I need it because I want to uh, get much simple life. Uh, I want to decide all my problems with this Apple Watch, this gadget. So, yeah, uh, I and uh, that was not hard to consume. No, simple, simple message, uh, storytelling style. Uh, but when I get email, uh, with a lot of bullet points, you know, we, we are great with that, 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 guys, you know, I have a few seconds to uh, lead this uh, uh, message to my spam inbox. That's it, you know, just. That's a great point. And I think what a lot of people don't realize when they're creating emails, they think they're Tim Cook giving a presentation. It's a different medium and it requires a different approach. Tim Cook has two advantages there. One, kind of a captive audience. When you start watching that presentation, you're watching it. You're not flipping through it most likely or something like that. You know, when you do a TV commercial, 
they're probably not going to change channels in the middle of the commercial because you're not impressing them there. You put that commercial on a show they like for a reason. They're sticking around for it to come back. So yeah. that's that's I'm sure they sell commercials for a lot more in the middle of shows than before and after shows or particularly after shows because people change in between shows, but not during a show. Um, so, you know, they're going to watch those middle of show commercials much more. But so he has kind of a captive audience and he knows it so he can put more content into the the pitch. So he's like, you're saying he's making three points. Here's three reasons to buy this watch instead of just one, because he doesn't have to just now he only needed one. He just doesn't know which one of the three might as long as when you have more time in a captive audience, great. We say initial email, you make one point. Maybe on follow-ups, you can make more points because now you've got them pulled in. They're a little more interested. They're not so quick to, to throw your email away. Um, so he's got you captive a bit there. And it's also a huge known brand. And people look, say, hey, I want to be like Apple, so I'm going to do what they do. I say, no, you can't do that because you're not Apple. Different yeah. rules apply when you already have the brand because you're a known entity. So you're willing to listen to Tim, some random homeless guy on the street starts giving Tim Cook's presentation. You're not going to pay attention because you don't know that guy in his brand like he's selling apples on the street corner. That's not something you're sticking around for. So when you the rules are a little different when you have a captive audience and when you have a brand uh, built up that kind of creates some trust in captive audience already. When you're looking at a cold email, a new product, one point, quick and easy, quick call to action. Um, I see emails and my number one advice to people on emails always is don't have a large block of text. You better not have a paragraph that's more than, than, uh, three lines. And the third line shouldn't even be full. It should be like two sentences. And yeah. then if you want to put a large block of text for some reason, it needs to be below the fold where they have to scroll to see it. So you're going to have like two sentences, a bullet point or two or something, a, some, a small graphic. Do not put the graphic at the very top. Um, and then you can put more below cause you've already hooked them in a style. I see a lot of people using now, and I think it's effective. It annoyed me at first. And then I realized it is effective. They would put like one line that was short and then double space and another line. Hey, wanted to reach out. Boom. Double space. Another line. Um, see how you're doing today. You know, this is just how I do things. And then another line. And I was like, what the hell? And I realized they're doing a stop sign strategy where the message is so short, you can't not read it. Yeah. I say, okay, but they're also breaking it up because it, it allows your brain to fix on that short couple word line. Um, before you can say, no, don't read it. It's too late. You've already recognized the words and absorbed them. And now you're looking at the next line, which is also it's these little tapas bites of marketing. And you're like, damn it. And then, well, now I'm three lines in. I'm kind of committed. I want to see what he says next, but I got to scroll down to see it. And once you scroll, you're hooked. You're like, oh, I've committed to this email. Now I need to see the next couple lines. And it's like, Ugh, okay. Um, they, and it drags you down through, through the email. So I always say, keep the text really short and to the point and interesting at the top. Um, and if you need to do a lot more, it's got to be once they start scrolling or I see a cold email and a big block of text, And I'm like, I'm not stopping to try to read that. That's sorry. Yeah. Too much, too much of a commitment for me. I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Got it. Valuable. Okay. I have the question about, uh, intuition. Uh, we discussed about data. Uh, but you know, I found sometimes nobody knows what exactly works. And I spoke with uh, some uh, 
uh, data companies and many of them uh, told me it's not good when you have over data a lot of data uh, and uh, once uh, i read uh, uh, a guide about Jeff Bezos and uh, he told on his meeting when he got a lot of data about new product and uh, and the research team team told him we need more data we need to spend more time with that and he replied to them no way nobody knows what works let's do it let's try it let's test it so uh, it's like intuition you know uh, can you tell and it's interesting that only 40 percent of all recommendations or data points companies use most of them ignore can you tell how to find the balance between intuition and enough data uh, when creating strategy yeah i'm sure there's i mean there's people who specialize just in this but one point of clarification use the word data a lot my company's a data company but we're a list company so we provide direct contact information names phone numbers emails for direct sales and marketing um data i've always said is a pronoun data is it covers so many things that when people are in a marketing meeting they're talking about data they typically know what data they're talking about but even if you're in the same team and you walk in the room, you're not going to know, are we talking about our list provider or are we talking about like website traffic numbers or are we talking about because they're all types of data. It's like calling saying things or something like that. You don't know what things. Um, so it's important. I just want to clarify for people. My company is a data company, but we're a list company. The type of data you're talking about, I think, is information that decisions are made on. Um, and that is you know, decision-making based on data. It got really hot uh, for a while, but the downside is then you're diminishing the, um, the instinct, the knowledge of a person who doesn't know, you know, doesn't have an, you don't have in your head an Excel spreadsheet for why you're making the decision. Uh, it's not right to call it going with your gut, but you're going with your collective wisdom. And that is really important because humans have an awesome ability to, without even knowing, again, crunching all the numbers and knowing exactly why they feel that way, but you calibrate yourself over time. And that calibration of decision-making is called wisdom. And that wisdom allows you to quickly make good decisions and act on them. Because if you can't quickly make good decisions, and I think a lot of leaders, what makes them great is the ability to quickly make good decisions more often than not. You're not always going to get it right, but it doesn't matter. You have to get it. You have to do something or you're not, you're just sitting around philosophizing. Like it's just, it's like us being on the podcast 24 seven for the rest of our lives, but never going and doing anything. So great. You talked a lot, but you got to actually execute on these things. Sometimes you have to actually do them. So I would rather have no data and go off of a mild intelligence gut decision then try to consume every possible data point before making a decision. Um, so yeah, over analysis, you know, paralysis by analysis is the old thing of saying it, but it's, it's just, you know, leaders are just going to lead and get it wrong sometimes and say, Hey, we got it wrong. But you also have a strategy in place where getting it wrong is part of the process. Marketing is testing. It's science. You know, you're going out, you have to do the experiment. You have a hypothesis, you form it quickly, and then you do a quick experiment. You want to know if a new lead magnet is going to work for your company. So you think you need a ton of data. Well, how are you going to get that data? Go out and do it. You go ask people. You you run the campaign that you haven't even built the product or feature for 
you run a very inexpensive email campaign or or ad placement campaign on a social media site to see if it gets response. And then you find out, oh, we added this widget and we thought that might bring people in. So we spent $200 on ads on it and we sent out two email campaigns promoting this new function and we didn't get any positive feedback. We didn't get any traction. Um, so maybe that's not it. Okay, come up with five different lead magnets and test them all now and you'll save so much money by spending money to test these and actually finding out quickly so you can move forward versus saying, hey, before we act on this at all, we have to get a whole bunch of data on something that doesn't really exist. And then we're going to build it out. It's like, no, don't even build it out. Just go test it. You know, you want to sell a t-shirt, don't make the t-shirt, go sell it. And once somebody buys it, then you can make it. And if nobody buys it, yeah. you didn't waste the time making it. Um, so it's kind of a combination of a handful of philosophies there, but I do believe very much in the um move do act act and then you get data from that that's here's here's your data you know we we nice. did something fast and inexpensive and now we get to take that data and decide if we want to do something different nice love it love it yeah i couldn't agree more with that because you know i remember someone asked me if i listen all your episodes can i become a good marketer i replied no you can't you really can't because it's not about how you can learn or listen uh, if i read 100 books how to play soccer i never beat cristiano ronaldo or Lionel messi uh, even if you practice you won't beat him but yeah. you could <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but, yeah of course it's, it's really really hard uh, and yeah uh, i just want to tell that uh cristiano ronaldo prefers to hit a ball thousand times a day than read hundred books uh, it's more about practice uh, and uh, yeah you need to practice and sometimes uh, when you uh, do something fail that's a part of the process you can fail a lot but uh, you can get a lot more data by failing you know when you fail you understand oh it doesn't work for me I can find something else I can change approach I can learn from my mistakes I can adapt to these challenges and go ahead so the best data is Failing, you know, failing only brings a new experience, nothing else. Absolutely. And marketing is such a fluid area. Things are changing and there's so many variables that you definitely want to learn from other people's experiences and learn other people's insights. You can save yourself a lot of time and energy. Uh, when I was in the first took over the sales team. Um, oh, no. When I first took over the company after the sales team headset issue, um, when I first became CEO, I was Again, looking at what's the strategy for us to grow. And I came up with two things. Well, one, either we're going to build out a whole new sales team. Um, we have an existing one. We're going to build on that. We're going to get a, a new manager and build a whole separate um, entity. And we're going to start these sales cells up. Or I came up with this concept for what I call the farm league. I was like, what if instead of trying to make really good sales training, we had like apprentices almost. And our salespeople, instead of making cold calls, we had people that did that for them and then handed it off to them and worked with them and and fed them. And those people were were learning to be good salespeople. And then the good ones would eventually get promoted. And we, and, I, and I was like, I really like this concept. Eventually, we we're like, well, that takes a while to pan out and we want results quicker. So let's build out a sales team first and then we'll come back to that. What I learned later when I read a book 
about it was the concept I was developing was SDRs. Someone else had already done a much better job than the version that I came up with. And if I had read that book, I would have saved myself a lot of time and money and made the right decision and went with SDRs and done it right instead of the slightly off version I was thinking of. Um, so there is a vast benefit in, I mean, hopefully people are still listening. They didn't disconnect when you said, uh, go do things, <laughs> but there's massive benefit in, in learning from other people's mistakes and the, the experiments they ran, data they collected and decisions they made. But when, when Aaron Ross, I think it was, uh, came up with the SDR concept, uh, I think he was at Salesforce at the time. It's been a while, but, um, that was a very, that was a new concept ish to apply in that way. Um, the world was a different place. It was for a specific product. It doesn't work for some products. Um, so every industry has its own things that work and don't work for certain reasons, its own unique situations, its own target audience, its own geography, the, your own product with its own little foibles. So there's so many variables that it's great to learn, but uh, so, you know, read, listen to podcasts, all that kind of stuff, absorb things, go to school. But the apprenticeship of, of actually working in marketing is the greatest marketing learning experience, particularly in a specific industry, because they're so specific. The techniques that work here and there, the everything's changing, you know, coming in, being an, an expert in email marketing in 2007 is very different than nowadays. It's a completely different landscape. Things that worked two months ago will get you blacklisted now. Um, laws change. Like there's just such a great variety in, in what works and what doesn't in all these nuances that, um, yeah, the experimenting within your own specific company, even, um, not just industry is, is really, really important. Everything is its own snowflake and slightly different. Uh, so, yeah, learn from other yeah. people, take their wisdom. Absolutely. Um, listen to podcasts. Oh, you can read books on marketing, you know, maybe even get a degree in marketing. Most marketers don't have one. Uh, but, um, but the experimenting, once you kind of know some of the basics, then you have ongoing learning. Uh, podcasts are great for that, obviously. But uh, your own experimenting based on the knowledge yeah. that you've that you've built up is the most most valuable yeah yeah I, i'm not against uh about uh, podcast or learning but i'm against to uh overlearn you know when you spend a lot of time by learning for example if uh i read a lot of stuff and do nothing i can forget about uh these insights uh, for a few hours uh, i don't need a lot of time you know to forget about something that i didn't do so i think it's better to find the balance between learning and acting so if you have this balance i think uh Pareto principle is good now when yeah. you, hey, you can read all the books on diet you want they're yeah. not going to lose you weight <laughs> you got to go <laughs> out and apply them at some point so great get some new strategies and people are going to say opposite things sometimes and stuff <laughs> but you got to go for a jog eventually man yeah yeah you need to work hard to train to eat healthy food to rest many other stuff uh, but books can lead you in the right direction you know i love reading books i love learning i love to listen audio podcast but uh i get insights what i need to do you know it's like the door that i need to open yeah yeah I, I think i'm gonna draw a cartoon now somebody being like i just read 500 books 
in a row on dieting and I still have a fat ass. What's wrong? <laughs> it's like, well, you haven't got off your couch in six months because you've been reading books. So, <laughs> yeah, got it. Uh, Sky, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Um, yeah, so LinkedIn's a great place to find me. Um, that's kind of the only social media you'll find me on. I might have a Twitter account. I don't remember. I've never <laughs> tweeted. Uh, Facebook, I check once or twice a year, but I use it for friends and family like it's supposed to be. Uh, I'm very B2B, so I live on LinkedIn. Um, find me there. Uh, I'm, I'm receptive to anyone who wants to reach out, has questions about data, um, wants to check out our podcast, the If You Market podcast. Um, if you do reach out to me on LinkedIn, say something. Don't just say, hey, I'd like to connect because then you're a bot and the next message is going to be, here's our product. Do you want to buy it or set up a, I don't want that. Like, don't, don't do that. Where's your, there's no lead magnet in that. Like, come to me with some value or at least some like, hey, I heard you on the show and I thought we right, we can be random connections for no reason. But, um, you know, say something, uh, say something yeah. about why should we actually connect? You can only interact with so many people in the world. Uh, if we should connect because you want to sell me something, you got to tell me what your product is and what the value is. If you have a headset that doesn't, you know, break at the stress point, then just tell me. And if I'm interested, I'll buy it. But you're coming at me with the generic message because you know I'm going to hate your product. That just tells me I'm going to hate your product and I'm not going to take get to the next step. So, yeah, if you're going to pitch somebody, just pitch them. Don't make them jump through five hoops to get pitched first. That's really annoying. That's my, that's my, I know it was about, Hey, how do we connect with you? But I'm warning people like, please don't come to me with this terrible sales and marketing uh, process. Um, yeah. Reach out to me yeah. on LinkedIn is the best place. Uh, people are interested in list, seeing what we do as a company. Um, check out mountaintopdata.com or uh, top data searches our online platform. You can see what we do there. All things list. Uh, new contacts, data pending, data cleaning, that kind of stuff for B2B marketing. Nice, nice. Guys, you can find all these links uh, to podcast, to LinkedIn profile, to website in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again, Sky, for your time. A big pleasure. Uh, valuable insights. I love it. Uh, welcome back anytime if you want to share more valuable insights because my audience loves value. Guys, you need to follow Sky. You see a lot of value. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.